All right, thank you, Wesley. And thanks to um, Hudson for getting the day started off right. Uh, appreciate uh, Ashley and Matt and for uh, the environment that they have uh, placed Hudson in through the years and the friendships and the relationships that he's been a part of. And uh, I'm glad that Travis was able to um, be a part in sharing that this morning and that we we're all able to, uh, uh, you know, to be here as, as well. Man, just a, a great way uh, to get everything started. And like I said, I'm so glad that you were able to be here for that. And if you are new to our area, or if you're just passing through, thanks so much for, for stopping in and for spending some time with us uh, here today. We're, we're going to spend a few more minutes together um, studying God's Word, then we're going to um, have an opportunity to spread out around our campus for individual studies that will go on uh, in different small group settings. We want you to stay and, and be a part of that, and then find somebody you don't know, ask them if they'll take you out and buy your lunch, Okay. Uh, just ask them if they'll do that. Just walk up to somebody and say, hey, I don't know you. Would you like to buy me lunch today? We have a very friendly congregation here. Uh, we love it when people come up and say that to us. And so just go, just go pick somebody out. Say, I haven't seen you in a month of Sundays. It will be true because you're new. You haven't seen them. And uh, then just ask them, hey, would you like to take me, <laughs> would you like to, take me to lunch? Oh, man, uh, it'll mean more here in just a minute after we go through. After we go through this study, you see, last week we kicked off a new lesson series here uh, called At EB. At EB. And we're doing this because every week uh, I get someone who will come and ask a question saying, hey, what's going on at EB? Hey, Chris, I uh, just want to talk to you for a minute. What's happening at EB? They ask, hey, what should my family expect when I come visit this weekend at EB? And since the majority of our church family has come to us in, within the last 10 years, and, and many of you just within the last five years, well, I thought it appropriate to take some time and to share with you some of, the, some of the guiding principles, some of those things that are kind of like guardrails for our, for our church here. And, and, and so you'll know, well, what's going on at EB? As you were looking perhaps for a church family yourself, and, and you were looking for a place where you can grow and where you can serve in a place that will, that will hopefully um, raise you and your family up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So last week we began this conversation by saying that, that at EB we strive to have Jesus Christ and his love at the center of everything that we do. And we said that that is the why behind everything that we do as a spiritual community. It's the why behind our outreach. And it's the why behind our in-reach. It's the why behind our ministries and our gatherings. It's the why behind our conversations. You see, we want our friends and we want our families and we want our community. And we want our world to move closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. We want people to fall in love with Jesus. I mean, that sounds pretty good, right? To say, we want people to fall in love with Jesus. But here's what that means. We want people to fall in love with Jesus, not necessarily us. Now, if you love us, that's great. And I love it when people, they'll meet me in the lobby and say, you know what, I just love being a part of this church family. Now, I just love being here. I, I love the things you're doing in the community. I love what's going on every weekend that I'm a part. And, and look, that makes me feel good. I mean, it really does. But that's not the point. Because we are much more concerned with your relationship with Jesus. We want you to fall in love with Jesus. We want you to move closer to a life-restoring relationship with him. 
And in the process, if you then fall in love with us or, or you fall in love with our ministries or you fall in love with some of our positions or whatever, that's great. But that is not the driving force behind what we are doing here as a church family. And we said last week, look, we're not perfect in this pursuit. I mean, we're not. And we're just trying to be transparent as we were talking about this together. We are easily distracted. We are easily distracted. And oftentimes we can treat this community of faith well, not as a kingdom of ambassadors, but as a, a spiritual country club that merely exists to cater to our own comfort, to cater to our own wishes. A community that we will engage with, well, when it fits our calendar or when there's something that we really need. And so we get off center. We get out of focus. And from time to time, we need to be reminded that, well, as Paul told the Corinthians, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, get this, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. Guys, that's our why. That, that is our why, not just when we are here together um, as, as one family, but, but when we're spread out all over the Chattanooga area. That is our why for what we do and, and, and why we do it. That's it because we don't live for ourselves anymore. We, we don't live for ourselves. And if you were given a different message, if you heard something different when, when you came to a faith in Jesus and, and, and when you were told, you know, you've got to fall in love with this church first or, or you've got to fall in love with this particular teaching or, you know, it's all about you can do whatever you want to do now that you have been, um, you know, accepted into Christ, you've been baptized, you have faith in Jesus, you just go do whatever you want to do and, and just live for yourself. If, if you received any kinds of those messages, I'm sure the people that shared those with you were sincere, but it was the wrong message. It wasn't the gospel message. The message where you realize, no, I, I have to, I live for Jesus now, not for myself. And I give up my own wants and I give up my own de desires and it's not about my rights and Instead, it's all about him. That's the why, and that's the focus. So what he be, we strive to have Jesus and his love at the center of everything that we do. But this morning, I want us to think about another, another one of those guiding principles that I hope is obvious for those of you who have been here for 10 years or more, or even for those of you who have come to be with us in the last five years or five months. At EB, we believe that life is better together. Life is better together. Because not, God never intended for his people to be alone. And there's something that's deep within the human soul that says, I want a seat at the table. I mean, I, I want to be able to come around the table and enjoy what's going on. And, and I want to be able to participate. And I want to be able to belong. We all want to know that we are in and that we are accepted. Dr. Vivek H. Murthy, Surgeon General of the United States, recently published a book titled, Together, The Healing Power of Connection in a sometimes lonely world. And in it he states that so many of the problems that we face as a society, from addiction and violence to disengagement among workers and students to political polarization, are worsened by loneliness and disconnection. He writes that building a more connected world, building a more connected world holds the key to solving these and many more of the personal and societal problems confronting us today. You see, simply put, we are better when we are together. Now, there are different levels where we understand this, right? 
Um, how many of you guys went to an athletic event somewhere this past uh, weekend? Uh, Friday night, Saturday, anybody go to an athletic event? Go ahead, put your hands up high. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm glad you were able to go and, and, and do that and have a good time. Um, how many of you went by yourself? You got there and nobody was there. Anybody? That ever happened? Anybody just show up and, and you were the only one? No? No? How many of you would have stayed if that would have been you, right? Now, probably, uh, I might have one because he's like, I just love sports, right? It's like, you played this game for me. You guys are awesome. We enjoy, we enjoy being together, especially when it comes to sporting events. And man, we will sit beside somebody that we have no idea who, we, who they are, and we will do the strangest things to them and with them. Right? You've experienced this before, right? I mean, you're at a sporting event and something great happens, and you find that you are hugging some stranger, you are, you are high-fiving, I mean, you're, you're holding one another and jumping up and down, you know, together in celebration. You look to this man that's next to you, and he is crying, and he just looks at you and says, I love you, man. And then all of a sudden, somebody pulls out a phone. It's like, we've got to get a selfie because if we, didn't, if we don't have a selfie, it didn't happen. And man, you're getting the phone up and you're taking this picture. And, and years later, you're looking back at the photo and someone in your family says, man, who, who is that with you? And you're like, I don't know. I have no idea. But I love that guy. I mean, that guy is awesome. He, he is great. Oh, we know what it means. We want to enjoy we want to enjoy being together. We, we find out, you know, somebody is going to get married. Man, they send out all these invitations. You don't just get an invitation to the wedding. You get an invitation to save the date for the wedding, right? And then there's an invitation to this shower, and there's an invitation to this event, and, and they, they want everybody to come and want everybody to do it together. And a new child is born, and all of a sudden, man, social media is blowing up with all the pictures because your grandchild is the best-looking grandchild ever. Amen? Right? Exactly. And, and you want everybody to know. My uncle used to stand outside the post office with pictures of his grandchildren to show them to people as they came in. He would. He would, he would just he would go get the mail, and then he would just stand around and wait. You know, going to see who came in. Hey, can I show you what's going on here with my family? We, we want to do this together. Some of you even go to the bathroom together. I mean, can we just be honest? I mean, I... I never understood this, why people go in pairs. I don't really understand, but that happens. We like to do things together. It's all about togetherness, togetherness, togetherness. And then for some reason, when it comes to our spiritual journey, we're like, no, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't need anybody. I don't really need to be with anybody. I don't need to spend time with anybody. I don't need to read the Bible with anybody. Definitely don't need to pray with anybody. Really don't need to worship with anybody. I just need to, to be alone with Jesus. That's my somebody. I don't need anybody else. I, I just, just give me Jesus. I mean, shouldn't that be enough? I really don't need anybody. Every other thing that we do in life, we strive basically to do together. Anything that's meaningful to us. We want to involve other people. And yet for some reason, many of us look at our relationship with the body of Christ and we're like, ah, don't need you. Don't need that. Don't want it. Guys, at EB, we believe that we are better together. Perhaps a story that best illustrates the principle is found in Mark chapter 2. If you'd like to open your Bibles there, I encourage you to do so. Mark chapter 2, there's a paralyzed man that was brought to Jesus. His entire life has been spent on a mat that's about three feet wide and six feet long. Someone had to feed him and carry him. Someone had to clean him. Someone had to clothe him. 
Nothing could be done for him medically. There were, there were no surgeries. There were no rehab programs. There were no treatment facilities. And there was no way for him to even contribute to society. Anyone in his condition had to go through life as a beggar. He would have to be laid at the side of the road or at a gate. He was dependent on people just to come by and drop some coins, maybe share some food. And look, I know that our culture can be a difficult place for a person with a disability, but in the ancient world, in, in the time of Jesus, in, in this time that we're reading about here, it was almost impossible to survive. Did you know that the Greeks regularly disposed of newborn infants with physical abnormalities? Aristotle wrote, let there be a law that no deformed child shall be raised. In Rome, during the 5th century, 5th century BC, there was actually a statute that instructed, quickly kill a deformed child. Yeah. I mean, that's where things were in, the, in, the, in that ancient world. And we hear things like that, and we're like, how could somebody be so cruel? How could someone be so heartless? How, how could people survive? Well, it was very difficult to survive in that kind of environment, especially if you had a disability. In Israel, a man that lived like this would have suffered, suffered another stigma. There was a common assumption that if people were suffering physically, well, they had brought it upon themselves. It was something that they had done. Or, or maybe if they had not done it, maybe it was their, their parents. Surely, surely someone had done something, and this was the punishment, this physical disability. And so night after night, night after night, and day after day, he laid on his mat. And I'm sure that he dreamed. I'm sure that he dreamed at times about a healthy body, that he dreamed of walking, that he dreamed of, of running through the streets. He dreamed of marriage. He, he dreamed of children. But then he would wake up. He would wake up only to be able to look up at the ceiling if he was lucky enough to have a roof over his head or to see the stars that were above him, remembering that he could never walk. He looks at the body that holds him prisoner, looks at the map that comprises his whole world, and he knows that he will never be free. He had no money. He had no job. He had no influence. He had no family. And seemingly, not much of a future. But what he did have, what he did have were friends. And he had some amazing friends. And without them, his story never makes it into the pages of Scripture. So look at Mark chapter 2. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, the news spread about him quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now, I wish that you had never heard this story before. And maybe you haven't. This might be the first time that you hear this particular story, this, this little excerpt from the life of Jesus. But for the majority of you, I'm just going to assume that you've already heard and you've already read and, and you kind of know where everything is going. And, and maybe you've even already checked out but you're like, all right, I already know what happens. But man, I would love it if you'd never heard this before. And as you're picturing in your mind these friends as they are carrying their friend, their disabled friend on this mat, and they've thought, if I could just get him to Jesus, because we've heard some wild things about Jesus. But as they get closer, there's a crowd, and, and they can't even see the house. They can't even see the door to be able to get in. But they know where Jesus is at, but they
but they can't get to him because of the crowd. What are they going to do? And if you've never heard this before, listen. They become contractors. They become engineers. They go and they get up on top of the house, and it says they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Right down in front of Jesus. Now, now there's something I want us to realize here right off the bat. In face of great opposition and social stigma, in in the face of inconvenience and and financial pressure, and, and in the face of a loss of time and energy, these individuals chose to become friends. Okay, they chose to become friends and, and, and to befriend someone who was not like them, who was different. Psychologist Alan McGinnis notes that rule number one for entering into deep friendships is pretty simple. He says that you have to assign top priority to your relationship. Top priority to your relationship. But ironically, we tend to devote massive amounts of time to making money or, or to running errands or succeeding in our career, but we neglect the most valuable possession, that time, when it comes to building community. And one of the most countercultural statements in Scripture is a description of the early church. We're told that the believers in Jesus, those who first said, you know what, I really think he's the Messiah. Those who said, I'm going to, I'm going to take my life and I'm going to lay it at his feet. It says that they met together daily. They worshiped together, they ate together, they talked together, they prayed together, they shared communion together, all on a daily basis. And friends, here's what I think that we have tried to do. I think we have tried to create first century community on a 21st century timetable, and it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. We've attempted to squeeze deep community into the cracks of an already overloaded schedule. But here's the truth. You cannot commit to doing community in a hurry. You can't. You can't do community in a hurry because you can't listen in a hurry. And you can't mourn in a hurry with those who mourn. And you can't rejoice in a hurry with those who are rejoicing. You know what else you can't do in a hurry? You cannot carry anybody else's mat. And everybody has a mat. Every one of us. We all have a mat. And I want that mat to stand as a picture of human brokenness and imperfection. It is what's different about you. It's what's different about me. It's my helplessness and it's my neediness. And it's the part of me that I most desire to hide. But it's only when I allow, it is only when I allow others to carry my mat, that I then, that, that I then am ready to experience some type of healing. This, mat, this man never gets to Jesus if his friends do not pick up his mat and carry him there. And every one of us has a mat. Maybe yours is t- a temper that you just can't control. Maybe your mat is fear. Maybe your mat is the inability to trust or to ask for help. Maybe you're mad as a crushing sense of failure or inadequacy or loneliness. You know, some of us spend our entire lives doing mat management. We pretend that we just don't have a mat. I mean, you got a mat, you got a mat, you got a mat. Oprah gave everybody mats, but Oprah didn't give me a mat. I don't have a mat. 
And we try to appear so healthy. And sometimes we do. We appear healthy and we appear strong. And because of that, the people around us just assume that we can walk anywhere that we want to. And you know what? If we're not in the process of mat management, some of us have the gift of mat identification. We can identify the struggles of everybody but ourselves. I mean, I can tell you what's wrong with you. I know what you're struggling with. I know what you're having difficulty controlling. But me? No, I don't have the time to look at that because I'm too busy looking at your math. You see, we become quite good at convincing everybody else of our strength and our competence. But when we do that, we never live in true community. And if you want a deep friendship, okay, if you want a deep friendship, you can't always be the strong one in the relationship. You can't always be the one that's carrying everybody else. You will sometime, at some point, have to let someone else carry your mat. It just has to happen. You know, Albert and Mary Beth Schultz realized that over the last few weeks. Albert is here today. Miss Mary Beth passed yesterday morning early. And they wanted me to tell you that they so appreciate those who have checked on them through this quick illness. Those of you that sent cards, there was a group of ladies here, a part of, part of our church family here at EB, that wanted to make sure that Mary Beth received a card every single day. They'd let somebody else carry their mat. And Albert, you still need to. See, I realized this firsthand a couple of years ago. I realized this firsthand a couple of years ago while trying to balance and complete all my family and work responsibilities, while at the same time being present for, for Miss Tanya and her family in the days following her dad's death. You see, after learning that my father-in-law had, had died suddenly of a heart attack the Tuesday after Mother's Day, Tanya and I quickly made plans to travel to Alabama. Now, this was during COVID, if you might remember those wonderful days, of those first few days of, of everything that was going on. And so the kids were still in virtual school, and we decided to leave them here in Chattanooga because you know in Alabama there is no internet, right? I mean, y'all, you've heard that. Uh, they were in virtual school, so we left them in Chattanooga until the funeral. But that meant depending on friends to check in on them and, and bring by a hot meal or two. I drove back to Chattanooga late Wednesday night. I collected pictures for the funeral video. I attempted to console Emily and Micah and began packing up for the weekend. On Thursday morning, I, I hurriedly put some thoughts together for the weekend sermon and then quickly drove here to, um, to the building to be able to record. Remember when we, everything was recorded because none of us were able to be together? So I showed up here at noon and recorded. And once the recording was finished, I went out into my car and I just broke down into tears. See, I was overcome by the emotion of, of what was taking place with COVID and all the restrictions that were coming and the tornado cleanup. You guys remember that was right there at that time as, as well. I, I was overcome by having an eighth grader that missed out on his last year of middle school baseball and, and having a senior that was not able to enjoy her, her final musical or, or prom or even at that time didn't know if she would be able to enjoy her senior graduation. And I wasn't able then to... To, to be present for my wife who the next day would bury her father. 
Well, gathering myself, I ended up driving home. I, I packed up the car, loaded up the kids and the dog, because you've got to take the dog. Ran some last-minute errands, and then I hit the interstate, needing to get to the funeral home in time for visitation. And we were just approaching the I-59-24 split when a loud knocking sound began vibrating the car. Now, I'm not a car guy. My dad was a big car guy, and I'm sure that if he had been there, he could have just said, oh, I know exactly what's wrong. I, I had no idea. So I pull off at the, at the nearest exit and do a little quick inspection. The tires were all functioning. There was nothing that was leaking out of the car. The bumper was on. The engine was still firmly there underneath the hood. So I thought, I guess everything's all right, but the car wasn't just, it wasn't going to go. There was something that was wrong. We weren't going to be able to make the three-hour trip. And I was like, man, I mean, what else could happen, right? And I know that you guys have had similar experiences where there have been those moments where it just seems like everything is just piling up on you and it's just pressing down. And so there I was at a gas station with the kids and the dog and all of our stuff. And so what do you do? Well, I reached out to my community at EB. I'd hope that by sharing a story from a couple of years ago, um, the way that this family reached out to me a few months back would kind of stay in the back. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I reached out to my EB family. In less than an hour, my car was being driven to the nearest mechanic. And I and the kids and the dog and our luggage were in somebody else's car, headed for the Bama line. And look, I'm the one that's supposed to do for others. And I don't easily accept others wanting or having to do for me. But without friends who were willing to watch out for and feed my kids and then come to our aid when we were stranded, I would not have been able to be present for Tanya when she needed me the most. And since I mentioned it, if not for this church family, I would not have been able to be present with my mom or my dad just a few months back when we told him goodbye. Who carries your mat? Who carries your mat? Who do you show your weakness and your struggles to? Who do you ask to pray for you? Who do you let see your brokenness? Guys, here, I'm not asking who do you go to the ball games with. I'm not asking who you meet at the gym. I'm not talking about who you go and spend time with after work. I'm talking about who is it that you know cares about your soul. Who cares about your soul? That they are concerned about your struggles. They're concerned about your pain. Who is it that you cry in front of? Who is it that you call when you're stranded? You see, if you want a deep friendship, you can't always be the strong one. 
And you will sometimes have to let someone else carry your mat. And guys, if it's not for friends, if it's not for friends, I would not have made it to the Alabama line in time. And if it's not for friends, the man on the roof never makes it to Jesus. They dug a hole through the roof in order to lower their friend down. Right in the middle of the message. Right there in front of the host. Could you imagine that was your house? I mean, you're like, guys, come on, I'll get you some private time with Jesus later, but, but lay off the construction work. Dirt and debris began to fall from the sky. All eyes are looking up. The people that, again, it's their home, they're thinking, what is going on? How are we going to clean this up? How are we going to explain this to Jesus? And then there are these four dirty faces that are looking down through a makeshift sunroof. As far as we know, they don't say a thing. They just lower the man down on his mat right there in front of Jesus. And guys, in healthy communities, people carry mats and people crash through roofs and they never ask what's in it for them. Never ask what's in it for me. The focus is always on the other. It's the other that's in need. It's the other in pain or distress. It's a friend that needs to get to Alabama, a wife that needs to mourn. It's a graduate that needs to be celebrated. Someone needs a meal. Someone else needs their grass mowed. Another needs a loan. Someone needs to see Jesus. And what happens? Well, the community responds. And guys, look, it doesn't have to involve destruction of property. Mostly it just involves two things. Noticing and doing it's noticing and doing. When you see a friend is discouraged, you write a note or you make a phone call. You say, we're going to send a card every single day. And we're going to take food and we're going to make sure that they know they're not alone. When you see someone that's in need, you take time to talk. You, you, you cancel things that are on your schedule so that you can be present. You listen even though you're busy. And when you see a gift that you know would delight someone else, you buy it for no reason at all other than that you know that they would really enjoy this. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Three Wishes Projects that, that grants wishes to patients who are dying in the ICU and at Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. But the premise and power of this program is simple. They say, stop asking what's the matter with the patient and start asking what matters to the patient. Stop asking, well, why are they in this situation? And what's going on? And, and why are they hurting? And why are they so upset? And why are they down today? And why, why are they angry? And what? You start asking, what matters to them? What matters? What is important? What do they need? Or in other words, you see a need and you wreck a roof. You wreck a roof. You say, this is what they need. And I'm going to move every barrier that I can to make sure that they get to where they need to be going. The text says that when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, and you know, usually when we hear stories of healing of Jesus, it's about Jesus looking at one individual and he sees that person's faith or he sees that man or that woman. But here it's not the individual who is in need of help. It's not that person's faith. It's not the man, but it's his friend's. It's his friend's faith that get Jesus' attention. And what does Jesus see when he looks up? He sees a big hole that's there in the ceiling. And, and, and he sees this, 
this group of people, these four sweaty faces that are peeking down, hopeful faces, and they're thinking, if only, they're trusting that Jesus will somehow be able to respond. Jesus sees a small group who possess and act on an irrational commitment of faith, an irrational commitment to the well-being of one of its members. Jesus sees a little of what God intended when he created humanity. He sees friends who love someone who is different from them. He sees a group who is not all wrapped up in themselves. He sees people who believe that bringing a friend to Jesus can have amazing results. He sees their faith. And the faith of these friends bring healing to the man's body and soul. Guys, our relationships are meant to bring healing to our lives. It's more than just getting together and and sharing some good times. It's more than just a quick selfie here. It's about the healing that you and I all need. But that healing only comes when we allow ourselves to be carried. You see, it's a very vulnerable thing to have someone else carry your mat, to have someone else pay your bills, to have someone else clean your house or give you their car. Because when someone carries you, they see your weakness. They know that you can't do it on your own. And you know that when someone else carries you, you risk being dropped by them. I mean, what if they stumble and fall, right? But whenever human beings love and accept and serve each other, whenever we love and accept and serve in the face of weakness and need, there is what pastor and author John Workberg calls the fellowship of the mat. I love that description. The fellowship of of the mat. And guys, it is this fellowship, the fellowship of the mat, that we all need to be part of. It's why last week I asked you to go online to our website at eastbrainerdchurch.org and to to click next steps, which is down in the bottom left-hand corner. And and then on the, the page that pulls up, click join the EB family. And I'm excited to tell you that eight families let us know about their desire to be part of the fellowship of the mat here at EB. Even though we had website troubles last week, we still had individuals who were like, I'm going to figure this out. Maybe you were not here last week. And maybe the website intimidated you and you weren't uh, sure exactly what you needed to do because of the troubles we were having. Well, can I invite you again this morning to be part of what God is doing here at EB? Go ahead and take your phone out. Take your phone out right now and open up your web browser and go to eastbrainerchurch.org, lower left-hand corner, hit next steps, and then when that pops up, you look and, I don't know, maybe you say, you know what, I'm already part of the EB family, but I need to get better connected here. I need to get better connected with the things that are going on, and maybe that's, that's the little button you need to hit. Or maybe you need to hit the button that says get involved. Last week when you came, you were given a, um, a little cutout that said, hey, our children's ministry is in need of helpers, our children's ministry is in need of teachers, our children's ministry is in need of volunteers to help us make the Sunday morning experience here when our kids are here something that will help move them closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to click get involved, and when that comes up, you can just say, I want to help out with the EBK. I want to help out with our children's ministry. Or maybe as you were pulling up here, maybe being with people, maybe, maybe you have a hard time with that, all right? Maybe you have a hard time. But you know what you're great at? You're great at mowing grass. I mean, you're great at mowing grass. You're, you're great at working with your hands in the flower beds. You're great. I mean, you are like the, the king of the weed eater. I mean, you put a weed eater or queen, I don't want to be disrespectful, you put a weed eater in your hand and you're like Picasso. I mean, it's just like, zzz, 
I mean, you just, man, you're awesome. Man, Bruce Cowan has been doing a great job heading up our uh, lawn care team for many years. And uh, he would love to have some more people who would love to be able to get outside and just mow grass together. You know what? See, you can be together, but have your own weed eater. You can do that. You can be together and have your own mower. Go ahead. Click get involved. Or maybe you need to click join the EB family. Maybe you need to click and say, you know what? I need, I need community. I need a place where I can be accountable. I need people who are caring about my soul. I need people who are really concerned about me individually. And guys, look, like we said last week, we're not perfect in this. I don't want you to hear this message and think, wow, they've got it all together. And, and because there's somebody here that right now can stand up and say, you know what, I've been a part of this church, and you can name a number of years, and you can say, you know what, I don't feel that togetherness. I'm sure somebody can stand up and say that. Look, we don't want that to be the norm. And we're trying to, to do better when it comes to living out the principles that were put forward there by the early church. And we're trying to be able to be individuals that come and huddle at the feet of Jesus together. So take out your phone right now and let us know of your desire because at EB we believe that life is better when we are together. Church, this week, this week I want you to reach out in some way to a friend or to a group of friends who have carried you and thank them for their kindness and ask them if you can return the favor. Perhaps you need to reach out maybe to the person or the persons responsible for bringing you to Jesus. Maybe they are why you're actually here today. You need to reach out and say thank you. Go call up your mom or dad. Call up grandma or grandpa. Or maybe you need to go to a friend. Let them know how much you appreciate them. See, we carry mats here because Jesus Christ and his love are at the center of everything we do. We believe that there is healing in Christ-centered relationships. And I believe this, that this week you will either need to be carried or you will need to carry someone. So see a need and go wreck a roof. And if someone comes saying, I want to carry you to Jesus, you let them. Because life is better together. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for the church. Thank you for a group of called out people who are not perfect and who are relying on you're relying on you and your grace and your mercy to cover over a multitude of sins. Thank you for a community, though, that was, that was birthed through your Son. Thank you for a community that is guided by your Spirit, a community that has not as the focus itself but the world around it, but a community that is able to care for one another. Father, may we utilize this community in a way that it was meant to be, not as some social club, not as some just uh, random gathering place, but Father, may we utilize this community as you intended, a one another type atmosphere, a relationship building place where healing takes place. We're able to talk about our weaknesses. We're able to share in our pain. Father, where we're able to carry one another's mat and where we're able to be carried. Father, I'm grateful for this church family for the way in which members have looked after one another and looked after this community for so many years. 
Thank you for working through this place. And not only for ours, Father, but for, for others' community of faith that are scattered throughout Chattanooga that you are working mightily through and where healing is taking place in those relationships. Father, I pray that as this week goes along, that if we see a need, that we will wreck a roof. And that, Father, if we need to be carried, that we will allow others to do that. We thank you, Father. We thank you that Jesus doesn't mind to be interrupted and that you are always waiting for someone else to be brought into your presence. As we are here today, we worship you. We praise you for making us a fellowship of the man. It's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to sing together as we close out this time. And we're going to sing, I believe, a song about coming as we are. Am I right on that? Did I hear that right? Uh, just like I said, look, you can have your own weed eater. You can have your own um, a lawnmower and be together. Um, we have an opportunity to be able to individually come before God, but do it in a community setting. You see, I can't go to God on your behalf. I can't make things right between you and God. Only, only you can do that. Only you and your faith of who Jesus was and is. Only you, because of your dependence upon God, salvation. Only you crying out to the Lord. I can't do that for you. And so we want to offer you an opportunity to just as you are, come to God. Maybe you'd like to do it in the presence of this church body. Maybe you'd like to go into our lobby. We have a prayer room that's there. One of our elders will be there. If you do need a private time together with someone else to talk about something that is hurting you, something where you are struggling. But I'd love for you this morning to be able to come before this family and say, I'm coming to God just as I am. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. And church, I want to live out God's call on my life with you. Will you do that as together we stand and give God praise?